Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Kreisberg, the Executive Director of the Teleosis Institute, and today I'm going to present a lecture presentation and interactive process around treating long-term trauma with poison oak. Uh, this, uh, this presentation was originally prepared for a conference on trauma and treating trauma with various modalities that happened in September of 2016, and uh, I'm going to be uh, using PowerPoint slides, and so I'll switch back to my face, but mostly I'll be talking with the slides, and so I'm going to uh, share with you my screen at this point, and we'll see you at various times during the talk. The learning goals for today are to be able to distinguish the difference between working with trauma and recognizing trauma in self and others. The second learning objective is to recognize and familiarize yourself with presence and awareness and how these two elements show up in clinical encounters. And finally, to initiate a basic understanding of rust toxicodendron, poison ivy, using three different perspectives. In order to do these learning objectives, we're gonna begin with reflection questions, discuss presence and awareness, move to an experiential process that in involves using poison ivy as in a guided meditation. We will attune through the meditation, break into dyads, and, and, and then actually I will present you rust tox, poison ivy, and some of the materia medica upon it, at which point I will share a case in which I use homeopathic poison ivy for it as a part of a case, and then we will return to the closing reflections. So these are what I, so just the, the idea of reflection questions is this is what I want you to pay attention to as we do this as we do this particular talk. So how has your experience of health and healing influenced your understanding of trauma? In what ways does my own understanding of trauma influence my presence and the way I show up for my clients? How do I deepen my awareness of how trauma affects people? And finally, in what ways does homeopathy strengthen my ability to become more aware of the experience of trauma? So you'll notice that when you look through these questions, how has my experience of health and healing influenced my way I understand trauma? How does my own experience show up in my presence with others? How do I deepen my awareness of how trauma works in people? And finally, how can homeopathy actually be useful in deepening this awareness. So as I teach you this, I want you to just, you know, think about that a little bit. Okay, so I'm going to start off dealing with two particular concepts. And, you know, awareness can mean many things, but what I'm interested in is in awareness and as it shows up in a clinical encounter. The ability to integrate and accurately evaluate multiple sources of information and to make interpretations that help the client gain awareness. So I'm using awareness as a skill. How can I have the awareness to evaluate information from different ways that could be internal, external, interpersonal, or the way the structure of the system around me? And then with that awareness, help the client become more aware of what's going on. So awareness is key to most of the healing professions. Uh, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's something about me understanding, comprehending my circumstances that key to the healing process. The second skill I'm interested in is, is, is presence. And presence is the ability to be fully conscious and create spontaneous relationship with the client. Employing a style that is open, flexible, and confident. So the first half, I think, is key to be fully conscious and create a spontaneous relationship, presence. How would you define presence? How does presence show up when I'm with someone? And of course, if this talk is about trauma, how can presence influence the way that someone can be with their trauma in a therapeutic relationship? 
relationship. So it seems to me that it, 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 if I'm going to work with trauma, I need to be, have an awareness of myself so that I can help my client have more awareness of their own experience and the healing process. And then the way I often do that is through my own presence and how I'm able to be present for someone's true deep experience. In my mind, that requires me becoming more practicing and learning about presence in myself. How do I show up? A third term that's really important to introduce because this is key to the shift in the way I'm approaching the subject of healing is pseudogenesis. Pseudogenesis is essentially the creation of health or fostering of healing, much as pathogenesis refers to the creation of development disease. So this is a definition. This word comes from a, a gentleman named Aaron Antonevsky. He's an American-born Israeli who basically was a sociologist, and he studied and coined this phrase pseudogenesis. Basically, Antonevsky describes the healing as a process, a sequence of observable events. Often in a conventional medical, biomedical model, healing is just the opposite of movement of the way you got sick. But Antonevsky articulated that there is an observable sequence that is grounded in the capabilities of humans to comprehend, manage, and cope with the challenges and threats. Through that comprehending, managing, and coping, that allows me to marshal the body's innate resources for restoring equilibrium and, res and strengthening resistance. For me, that, that is about, I like the way he says, innate resources. So, you know, what I'm interested in is this idea of, of resources. I call them healing resources. And so in my therapeutic encounter, I'm trying to foster healing resources in the client. Okay, that can be done through homeopathy, it can be done through acupuncture, it can be done through health coaching, it can be done through therapy, it can be done through uh, many, many different healing techniques. But the, the, essentially the, the intervention is to foster the martial bodies in a healing resource to restore equilibrium. That is what we look at when we look at the healing process. I, I like this slide because it shows you as a structured phase. So in order to move pseudogenesis from on the left, I have, I'm starting with illness. On the right, I have complete remission um, recovery. The one that I really like is the, is the bottom of these three. So you see the term cognitive appraisal. I need to come to understand what's happening to me. I need to enhance my competence in terms of certain skills. That will allow me to moderate or buffer the threats. That strengthens my overall constitution and leads to amelioration of disease or risk. So cognitive appraisal, enhanced comp competence, buffering of threat, strengthening of constitution, and amelioration of disease. This is a basic pathway. The middle line has these two positive psychological states. So by creating positive psychological states, we know there's a lot of data that shows that that actually is a way to heal and that supports a sense of coherence. Now he uses a sense of coherence in a specific manner in his lectures to be whether I, it's, it's manageable, whether I can comprehend it, I can manage it, whether it's meaningful. And if I can, those three line up and I really understand what's going on and I can manage it effectively resource-wise and it's meaningful for me, then I have a strong sense of coherence. And so that's how I feed a coping response that coping response will buffer the threat and lead to increased resistance. And that, therefore I become more resilient. And when stressors come in, rather than turning into illness, they turn into, uh, well, they, I use them as resources for continuing to strengthen my constitution. Having said all that, we're gonna move into the experiential portion of this particular talk, and that's where we're gonna visit uh, rust talks, uh, poison oak. When I say experiential, what I'm asking you to do is to understand the remedy itself from your own personal subjective perspective. So that's what I call first person way of knowing. So it's my personal experience, my case taking, my clients, my understanding of the teachings, how I experience the homeopathic remedy. It's basically subjective. 
All right. So we're looking inside. So that's as I said in the in the in the, what I'm trying to do is show you three ways of understanding poison ivy, homeopathic poison ivy, rust toxicodendron. This is the first one. It's called the first person way, the subjective way, and that's a we're going to do a guided meditation in order for you to understand what that is actually like. So this is the slide that I put up for the guided meditation. So at this point, uh, if you're watching this on video you would um, pause the video after I finished the instructions and you would get your little container of poison of Rustox 30C. So this was designed to be done with a, a Rustox 30C. You take one dose, that could be three pills, and you get yourself into a comfortable position, preferably seated with your back up, uh, getting rid of all distractions so that you're able to really just be fully present for about a 20 minute guided meditation. Assuming that you're, the recording is back on, I'm going to ring the bell once to start the meditation, and I'm going to ring the bell three times at the close of the meditation. I will be talking during the meditation. It is guided. So get yourself comfortable seated in the chair. Allow your eyes to, to close if you're comfortable. Bring your awareness into your breath. Allowing yourself to fall away your attention to external stimuli. And allow your breathing to settle. Notice your feet connected to the earth. Allow your spine to lengthen and adjust your body. Bring your breathing into your pelvis, relaxing and opening and allowing your breath to settle. If there are sensations in your body, tensions, just notice them and then allow them to release. Relax the breath, relax the body. If distractions arise in the external world, just let them come and go. This is your period of time to just settle your awareness into yourself. We're going to spend the first few minutes attuning to our internal experience. This starts with attuning to the physical body. So allow your internal mind to notice what, if there's any sensations, tensions, uh, areas of your body that are calling to you and maybe expressing some kind of quality. And so you allow your attention to go to that particular place you breathe, you relax, and you attune, and you listen with your mind's eye to whatever it is is there, and you continue to breathe. Often this attuning process will cause the sensation to slowly dissipate. 
When this happens, you can return to your breath, the rise and fall of your breathing, and then perhaps some other sensations arise. So over time, returning to a meditative state is learning how to notice sensations in the body, whatever it is, attend to it, relax and release. Turning your attention to your breath. Now we're going to attend or notice if there's any feelings that arise. Bring your attention to your heart, the center of feelings. Just notice what feelings arise when you pay attention to the feeling layer of your internal experience. How is your attention different when you're paying attention to your feelings versus your sensations in your body? How can you let your emotions and feelings attune to the physical state so that you're becoming more harmonious, or more present to what is arising? Turning to the breath, neutral. Notice what thoughts arise, how the mind doesn't stay empty for very long. What is the quality, the energy of having thoughts inside your mind? When you're attending to your mind, how are you attending or not attending to your body? Allowing your thoughts to settle, attune thoughts, feelings, sensations, present to the now, what is. Turning to your breath, neutral, noticing if there are calm, what's going on, honoring and accepting whatever the awareness is, letting it arise and returning to your breath, allowing the breath to be the ground that you attach to. And finally, are there, is there a awareness of your energetic, your spirit, the subtle quality of being that is here all the time below but more gross experiences of body, feelings, sensations, and thoughts.
can notice yourself sleepy, return to your breath. Allow yourself to notice how the spirit engages, how you attune slowly to the entire spirit, thoughts, feelings, sensations. And you arrive and you've attuned to the very present the body as a vehicle of experience. As we start to go on our journey, reflect back to a time or an experience in which you might have been hurt. Perhaps you experienced the trauma. Perhaps a loss of a loved one or a breakup of a relationship. Perhaps nothing arises and you have no memory of this experience. There's just blankness. Perhaps a parent or a child that you are in your family that you're close to has had an experience that you have related to. Perhaps you recognize that your family several generations back experienced a trauma. And of course, sadly, perhaps the trauma was repeated or so connecting to this memory, allow yourself to begin to notice what sensations occur in your body as you re remember this experience or these experiences. How does that affect your breath? Does your posture, your muscles change? <sighs> Are there feelings that arise with this memory? to the breath when you feel the experience gets too strong. What thoughts emerge? What story are you aware of as you reflect and as you consider your experience? How is your deeper spiritual self been impacted by this experience? How do you notice this? Allow yourself to connect that essence, spirit quality to your thoughts, connect to your feelings, connect to your body sensations. And with your breath, allow this experience to attune and slowly grow connections. Allow your experience to just be present for whatever is happening for you.
attend to how you relate to another. It does not need to be the person who may have caused the pain, or it can be. It could be a loved one who you seek consolation or a parent. Could be that you notice that you don't feel comfortable relating to another. Just notice how the experience, its relationship with relationship, and how that brings that experience in yourself. Holding that relationship with honor, allow yourself to connect to the ally of poison oak that is close by in your meditation. How does she show up? What changes in your body? what changes in your heart feelings, what happens to your thoughts, how does it affect your spirit. Listen wisely. to the thoughts, deeds, actions of rust toxicodendron, the ally healer of poison oak that is present, appearing in your energy field. Have you experienced her? This ally is here with us in a field. So all those who are listening to my voice and who are meditating or participating, become aware of that field, that collective, that subtle internet that we are connected to. How do you experience this in your body? How do you attune to the collective? Feeling this connection to fellow healers. Allow yourself to ask the ally poison ivy for its, her wisdom. Please teach me. I listen carefully to your wisdom. gratefully accept this offering in honor of the gifts we receive in our meditation we bow prostrating lifting the ally above us acknowledging with gratitude the wisdom of the teacher Finally, honing in on the wisdom 
allow yourself to make a note, a bookmark, a footprint, a signpost, a carn that allows you to return to this wisdom so you have this state experience that you can return to. Turning your awareness to your breath, letting go of the thoughts, sensations, letting go of the attention, just like the tide, return to the waving of the breath, rise and fall. Finally, allow your attention to slowly return to ordinary consciousness. We start to close our circle. your body to return to this awakened awakened state we're gonna uh, actually pause in a minute to actually share in partners if you're watching this at home alone that's when you'd pull out your journal and you would write down something for your about your experience but I'm gonna return to my slides as the meditation slide. And I have one concept that I'd like to share with you, which is a different perspective, besides the subjective perspective, is an intersubjective perspective, or the second person. And so these, these particular capacities, I just want to kind of frame them for you. The capacity to listen and speak so that others feel heard and you are heard by others the capacity to appreciate others and connect such that we can meet and mutually share, and the capacity to understand, respect, and abide by cultural norms of specific groups such that one can maintain a healthy membership. These are all second-person perspectives, and so now what's happening is I'm going to ask you to go into partners, and I'm going to give you essentially five minutes per partner to share with your partner your experience. And what I would hope is that one person does listens while the other shares. It's not really a conversation, it's more listen so that others feel heard and you are heard by others. So it's a listening activity and you share and then we, you, you reverse positions. If you're listening to this at home, uh, then this would be the time to uh, have a, get a journal and jot down your experiences here. Because this is a, a recording in real time, I am going to uh, um, ask you to pause for this particular section. So, but first I'm gonna start. easiest thing to do would be to allow yourself to pause the camera or the video and, and when you come back I'll ring the bell again and to switch so you can pause now you just turn it back on switch partners and pause again if you have already switched then you can Continue on if you pause. Thank you. 
continuing on with our slides, what we were been doing, what I just did as opposed to the meditation reflective journeying with the remedy, what we were doing was a dialectical, interpersonal process. And I'm, I want to connect that to, to, to a homeopathic prescribing. This is a quote from Tina Smith. The choice of the remedy is of vital importance for the successful treatment of the patient, but cannot be considered as isolated from the interaction between the homeopath and the patient during the consultation. So it's not enough just to take a remedy and have an experience. It's the dialoguing and that interpersonal second person understanding that we need to build as well as we build our vocabulary as a healer. The third perspective that we can take is, the, is objective or third person perspective. And here's several different pieces of a third person perspective, the ability to recognize and understand the processes of how things work, the capacity to build structures that support our, one's intention, the ability to use measurements to assess and inform how things are going. And then finally, the one that I'm interested in here is the ability to recognize patterns, characteristics, and cycles in nature and the environment. So in this particular case, what we've been doing is we've been exploring one of the remedies of the inspiring homeopathy system as developed by Tina Smits, a physician who's passed away in the last few years. Um, Tina's work included this taking remedies and so, but he, he comes out of the, you know, the, the homeopathic tradition tends to study remedies by having someone talk about them, lecturing them, reading them, looking at, looking at, looking at, so that's an objective way of looking at remedies. And so that's an objective perspective. And so recognizing patterns and characteristics is key to the homeopathic process. So what I'm going to do now is actually talk about the remedy Rust talks. Um, so I'm looking at it from the third person because I've covered the first person guided meditation version of it. You've shared with another person, so now you start to have a dialectical second person. Now you can see the context for the third person. So in the inspiring homeopathy system, the essential quality of rust tox is the feeling of being a victim that shows up as the symptoms of anger, either violent or suppressed anger. Uh, it shows up as a feeling hate toward the aggressor with a desire to kill. Uh, this, 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 the rust tox person in this state is inability to forgive and that the trauma, the victim quality continues to live on and it comes back. You may see cursing or swearing. The person needing rust tox or in this uh, universal layer is often suspicious and they are, may actually literally feel, you know, contained and tight. And you see that in Rustox's ability to have stiffness as a symptom. They can certainly be weepy, on the other hand, or there's this way in which emotions or feelings are expressed without really knowing why. Interestingly, there's some sort of sense that there's something wrong or something dirty in me or there's something a matter with me for having suffered this way. And that often, one way that expresses is anxiety. It's usually in the evening or in bed. Uh, over time, these qualities uh, can lead to a, a helpless feeling, even despondent. And then as I mentioned, you know, and, they, and these thoughts just, just persist. It's like I can't get out of my head. So it's a reasonably either angry or anxious state or with a lot of worry that's a suspicion a lot of internal sense or something uh, not clean about me and of course somatically we know this remedy is known for its stiffness so there's a, a compression or a tension in the body that often leads to a, a need to release it which ends up being a, a moving around you know, kind of restlessness So that's a very brief version of the inspiring homeopathy rust tox. And what is important for me is that's a third person version of rust tox versus a second person dialogue versus the first person experience. There's a book by a woman named Anne Belford Ulanoff, Ulanoff who is a, a Jungian psychologist. And I, I captured this quote because it's called Attack, well, the, the book's called Attack by Poison Ivy, a Psychological Understanding, but when I read this quote, you'll see how this really wraps together many of the themes that we just discovered in our homeopathic process. So here's the quote. Why didn't I know 
the property of this deadly enemy to beguile through its alluring berries. How could I not have known, not have studied its multiform presentations? Had I learned nothing from my yearly suffering of its attacks? Clearly, I was a victim of neglect, my own, and that of others about me, to forewarn me as a child and prevent me, where possible, against contact with the ivy. But as neglect accompanied the poison ivy itself, it grows in abandoned areas. It thrives on being overlooked, disregarded, untended. It flourishes by the side of the road and in refuse. I contracted an allergy to what was neglected, untended, and rejected. To put it psychodynamically, my psyche made use of this overlooked, abandoned plant to arouse my system to express my own experience of neglect. So she's describing the experience of having poison ivy, and I'm pointing out that isn't this interesting that this language really describes some of the experience that of the rust tox remedy presentation. So often in homeopathy, uh, we do we do uh, we, we use case studies to 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 recognize poison ivy or to study yet another third person perspective. So now I'm going going to share with you. Um, a case study that that is actually attached to the slides on the end two pages. I'm going to shift over and and uh, it's a case study of a 35 year old single graduate student uh, studying. She's actually getting a, a degree in public health, and I'm going to share my screen with you now. So here's the case study. So it's Alice. It's not a real name. Alice begins by saying that her mom was abandoned as a child. Alice feels like she carries this with her all the time. She has much less sad, she has much sadness. Her parents were divorced when she was young. Alice had to keep the peace. As she got older, she felt like she had to run away. She has lots of guilt about this running away, this feeling. Now she has a fear of not having a healthy relationship. She deeply wants to have a family, but somehow doesn't pick the right guys. It's super hard, she says, about her relationships. I seem to return to problems of the past and get unhappy. I have a lot of guilt and feel like there is always something wrong with, with the relationship. I feel like my family is bad, so I need to do things well. Ellis wants to have a child, but is conflicted about graduate school, which is so demanding. I guess what I mean by that is, is that she'd like to have a family, but she's a very committed graduate school program, and she recognizes she can't do both. She shared a story with me, you know, actually this is a story from her late teens about studying transcendental meditation. And she really found the teacher to be a great teacher, is very charismatic. And it's interesting because it wasn't that it was sexual, it's just that there was a, she didn't feel like, she ended up feeling very conflicted around him because she didn't feel like she was good enough. She wasn't doing a good enough job following the precepts that he was offering her. She felt a lot of shame. I feel like I'm working against myself is how she describes the shame. It soon, soon comes out that, Al, that Alice has suffered, uh, you know, sexually inappropriate behavior. Uh, if I, it might have perhaps been by an uncle. Um, I have it. And she feels, she knows that, I mean, it, it, it happened when she was around 10 years old, and she still feels like it's around in her energy. So she feels, she says, I have to clear it. I feel like there's something wrong with me. As with homeopathic case studies, you know, physically, she essentially has, her, her complaint is gastric reflux. When she has strong emotions, that reflux gets worse. She's generally Chilly, she has a lot of dreams, which over time she reports. Her sleep is fine. She's very, it has a tendency to get sort of melancholic or withdrawn and depressed. Generally, she's worse cold, worse wind in general. Her energy is low between five and six. And then this final paragraph is, I feel alone. <coughs> Fears of the darkness, ghosts running into something. Sometimes I feel like I have two personalities. Either I'm nourishing my life, I'm having something wrong and I'm damaged. And then I gave this very romantic, and that's almost, I think that's a comment for me because you clearly she has this other idealized sense of relationships. So that's Alice. 
And if some of you have been studying homeopathy for a long time, you may see like, like how did I get to rust toxin? And, and so it, 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 part of my assessment is, is that there are several remedies that come up for me in this particular uh, case. And I don't show lots of FOS because over time we use several remedies. So I'm going to talk about a couple of remedies. For one, actually, I gave her Rustox. I mean, she very clearly has the sexual molestation. She is uh, very much has to, you know, there's this sense of guilt. She has problems in the past. She really, you know, has a lot of victim qualities to her. And so I felt like Rustox is a good opening gambit for her. I also noticed that uh, you know, when she says she was abandoned by her mom as a child, I wonder if lacmaternum would be a remedy for her. And later on, at some point, I do use lacmaternum. Okay. And it also, you know, there's a way in which she keeps cycling through trying to improve herself. So I think of serinum. Uh, with this, I have two personalities. Um, if in the, in the inspiring system, that maybe Rustox goes to anacardium. Or I also, because of the sexual manifest, uh, sexual molestation or the history, there's a snake remedy that, that it sometimes would, could be differentiated here, especially with the fears. And I think that would be Centrix, which has a fear of being raped, I believe. So there's a, a bunch of remedies that showed for me. I gave her Rustox, actually, 30C once a week. I'm also showing you how I do, I integrate homeopathy as a health coach. So I also give clients a healing topic. So for her, her healing topic, this is her plan, to be more able to accept myself as I am. And then I give her learning objectives, to be more able to release old identities that interfere with becoming whole, to be more able to accept my worthiness of, of a life that is, to accept my worthiness of a life that is deeply nourishing, and to be and to be and to be more able to build lasting relationships. So those are the so I, I do this with all my clients. Not only do they get a prescription, they get a healing topic, they get learning objectives, and then in this particular case, I started her off with a daily affirmation, which had to do with forgiving her mom. So this is a, an affirmation process. It's just one of many that I may use. I love and forgive my mother. Whatever she said, did, thought, or felt when I was between the ages of two and five that interfered with my ability to be loved, right? There was something about her, uh, you know, I, I, I actually a muscle tested her and we identified that this was the age and it was that allowing herself to be loved. So she repeats this uh, daily affirmation and, you know, it ends, she has to repeat it three times, completely. now I can be loved. As you see, I gave her Rustox 30C once a week, and then because of her GI system, I gave her a, a, a nutritional supplement called Gastrovin, uh, greens to try and get her meals a little bit healthier, and then Cardiovin. In a lot of ways, um, that is, you know, the, the Cardiovin just came up through muscle testing. So this is a pretty typical prescription of mine. So you can see how I work as a homeopath health coach, where everybody's getting a a plan that includes homeopathic remedy. So going back to the first case, as you read this, if you feel like there's like well, there's so many other remedies you could give her, I think that's totally legitimate. And I just want to say that in this case, this is a good example of how in the inspiring system, you can latch on to some obvious uh, um, signpost and start with an inspiring homeopathy remedy, which has a very positive effect upon her. Returning to our slides, I'm gonna, I have to share the slides. There we go. Um, so the inspiring homeopathy sees the expression of illness as an opportunity. So this is Smith's quote again, loss of balance is an invitation to resolve deeper problems, to grow in consciousness, to have a deeper understanding of the purpose of life and to attain a higher energetics level. So this is in service to me as it's a solidogenic way of using homeopathy. So understanding the nature of the universal layer allows the healing dynamics of homeopathy to skillfully enhance growth 
and developed for both patient and practitioner. So in the Inspiring Homeopathy system, you learn by taking remedies and we grow. So when I lead a group of people taking the remedies and we share our experiences, I enhance my understanding of the remedy and I take the remedies and I keep learning from the inside. So it's solutogenic. So homeopathy therefore becomes a tool for growth. The purpose of therapy is no longer to obtain a stable, healthy state, rather to engage in a process of growth on the physical, emotional, and mental level. So you can see Smith is describing a 21st century of homeopathy, 21st century approach to homeopathy, which makes sense developmentally, which is we start to use homeopathy to grow, pseudogenically grow our understanding of suffering in human nature. And finally, I started with these four questions, so now I want you to think about it. And this, the idea here is that we're integrating the material that we just talked about. How has your experience of health and healing influenced your understanding of trauma? In what ways does my own understanding of trauma influence my presence, presence with clients? How do I deepen my awareness of how trauma affects people? In what ways does homeopathy strengthen my ability to be more aware of the experience of trauma? Um, I'd like to thank you for uh, sharing this talk with me. Um, I'm Dr. Kreisberg, and if you'd like more information, you can go to teliosis.org or inspiringhomeopathy.com about uh, the work that I'm doing. I love having other people who are interested in doing this work of journeying, and uh, I look forward to uh, meeting you at some point in time. So, thanks for joining me today.